Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Strava CBD coffee is infused with both CBD and CBG, can be delivered to your doorstep every two, four, six, or eight weeks, and can actually help with chronic headaches, joint pains, IBS, so much more than that. Now you get 25% off your first purchase when you use code DNVR25 at StravaCraftCoffee.com. I am your host, Patrick Lyons, and joining me today as he does every single week, blessing us with his presence. He's the voice of the Colorado Rockies for AT&T Sportsnet, the host of the Drew Goodman podcast. He's got a book at These Walls Could Talk. He's on Cameo. He's doing everything these days. It's Drew Goodman. How you doing? Not doing everything. I'm not broadcasting baseball, which is uh, what I'd like to be doing. It's what I get paid to be doing, most of all. I guess it makes sense why you've got all those other hats, you know, going on. Are you giving uh, lessons at the local golf course on people working on their short game? Yeah, you might people, be doing that soon. Want, you know, I, I'll stay on the baseball side. People don't want my help in golf. So, um, but you know, we're we're going like gangbusters over to Rapahoe High School, and uh, so that's been exciting. So, I've been uh, we're done with early mornings, and now we actually, because the weather's been good, we've been out on the field every day, like uh, all the other high schools around. So that uh, that's been fun. Those guys are playing for love of the game. Yeah, baseball is is not gone everywhere. We've seen it kind of booming all over the place with college baseball. I'm actually excited next week, tentatively scheduled to watch Air Force go up to Greeley to take on the UNC Bears. I know there's uh, the Air Force Academy that has a top 50 prospect there, kid who's a, a catcher and a pitcher. So that's kind of a, of a rarity. Yeah, yeah, that kid's touched 100 miles an hour on the mound. He's got he's got a big time arm. So um, that's that's exciting. I'll be fun. Hopefully he gets on the bump when you're there. And do you know where he's from? Lake Forest, California. Went to El Toro High School. So could have a couple of things to uh, talk with him about. I don't know what they're I don't know what they got in the uh, the soil there, but they they breed some good ones, don't they? Chapman, Nolan, this kid, good deal. Absolutely, yeah. Actually, hey. before, before that, I'm I'm missing some some uh, uh who am I forgetting that that went there as well? The brothers. Um I'll think of it. There's two brothers who were big leaguers who went there also. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Arenado was a catcher in high school, I think for a little while too. For, so for a minute. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, if you're flat footed, I think that's a good position for you. You know, he obviously he worked himself out of that, that situation. So yeah, there's something in, in, in the water down there, something uh, not in our, in our water is, is major league baseball. Uh, this week on the Drew Goodman podcast was as always, you can't miss it. But you had on two fantastic guests that are not just, you know, your colleagues at AT&T Sportsnet, but they are people who have been in the Players Association. They've been a part of the union, so they have a very unique perspective on everything that's going down. And I really thought uh, it was a, a riveting conversation that you had this week with Jeff Houston and Ryan Spielborgs. Yeah, I, I thought it would be appropriate. You know, they they come on with me a couple times a year. We're usually talking about you know where the Rockies are and, and that sort of thing. And I thought it was timely 
to have them on in light of the fact that there was so much momentum, it seemed like, or maybe it was a subterfuge, but, um, you know, Monday night negotiating into the wee hours and then, and then Tuesday it falls apart. So it was tremendously disappointing. So yeah, we, we kick it around and listen, I don't think, uh, you know, I'll, I'll ask you cause you listened to it. Um, I don't think anyone, uh, you know, hid their displeasure, their anger. I'm angry. I mean, I'll, I'll, I, I said it on my podcast. I'll certainly say it here. And, and is some of that, selfish yes when i say selfish because i make my living and i can't make my living um and i'm a pawn in, in the process now there's a lot of people that it affects that we're not talking about certainly beyond me you know vendors people who who work at the stadiums um and people who work in baseball on the television side on the radio side uh, most of those people will not get paychecks and so they got to figure this out. We've been saying that forever and ever and ever. And then the bigger the bigger part of this or, or one of the larger issues is the immeasurable damage they're doing to the game in the future. At some point in time, they will play again, right? They'll have some sort of an agreement. But what will it look like fan interest, fan participation, in the game, at least in the near term. And and I think they're underestimating that on both sides. The point that was made up, Spilly did it on the podcast, and there was even a question asked of Commissioner Manfred on Tuesday evening that obviously Netflix, Hulu, there's a million different places now you can go for your entertainment because that's what sports, that's what baseball is. And people are going to find other places to go. I mean, you, I think you even saw that a little bit during the pandemic where people realized, Hey, you know what, this was more of a, of a habit than it was a passion. And that's obviously something to, to worry about if, and when this thing does eventually come back. Cause already there's been some damage. I mean, I honestly, the state of the union address was that night. And I was kind of curious if, if president Biden might've slipped something in there about it, but maybe that speaks to the, the fact that you know, the public might not necessarily even know what's happening still until we do hit opening day, April 1st, of course, March 31st is opening day this year. They might not realize it un until then, which suggests that maybe the true blowback for both of these sides won't be coming until a month from now, which means who knows again, when does baseball finally return? Do you remember a couple of years ago, and I think it had something to do with the pandemic because the NBA schedule got pushed and and it was it became more of a late spring summer sport, and there was a, a number of people who were who were stating. I'm not talking about fans. I'm talking about people in the game, in the industry, talking about moving the schedule so it's not competing really with the NFL the first part of the year, and move it more into uh, you know a spring and summer type of schedule. Well, it, that is you know, just, I don't want to call it blatant disrespect. It is just looking at the landscape and going, we don't, you know what, we can blow baseball away on a nightly basis. We don't have to worry about the competition there. We're more concerned naturally, understandably with competing with football. And I said this on the podcast, my podcast, that we always evolve and 
I think there's some people who get stuck and, and assume, well, it'll always be this way. Baseball, the national pastime, and it and it sounds all melancholy and and it, and it conjures up images of Ruth and 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 you know DiMaggio and Jackie Robinson and where the games were you know important and people paid attention to baseball and and um, the the biggest sporting heroes, if you will, were baseball players. That ain't the case anymore. I saw something on on social media where Tyler Harrow, the, the, the really good shooting guard from Miami, he has, for what it's worth, 2.3 million followers on Instagram. Good for him. Mike Trout, who is probably the best player in baseball, right? Has 1.9, and he's been a he's been a big leaguer longer than Hero's been with the Miami Heat. That speaks volumes, so it doesn't always have to go like this. And you have to have some vision on both sides, on both sides to say, "Hey, where are we? Where are we going?" Because the pie may not be as large down the road. We're not talking about. I know that most of these these new deals, you know, multi billion dollar deals with TNT and ESPN and Fox go to 2028. But when these RSNs are struggling and the local TV dollars may not be the same going forward, and then what does it look like beyond 2028? Those are that's that's real stuff, man. That's real stuff. And you have to have a vision and you have to understand when there's apathy, what's the old line? Um, you know, what's worse than somebody who's you know, there are people who are angry, like like me and you, that, that games aren't being played, but there's a whole lot of people who could give a shit. Oh, really? They're apathetic, and that's worse. Yeah, the, the opposite of, of love isn't hate. They're on the same end of the spectrum, right? That's passion. It's when you don't care about something. and Indifference. Yeah. Indifference, yeah, 100%. You know, on, on, on your podcast, one of the points that was made about, like, the popularity of baseball or really – just, just again, giving better context, like you said, with Tyler Harrow, you know, having so many more followers than, than Mike Trout, who's been someone who's now vocal again, someone you think of as being, you know, rather blue collar and kind of, you know, he, he falls in line he's, he's a ball player. He's not eccentric, but even him, he's, he's reaching out and expressing his displeasure with everything. But there was, you know, when people talk about like the, the salary of, of, of players in, in baseball and the minimum salary, like folks would probably be pretty surprised to know that Sam Hilliard hasn't even made like a, a million dollars in his career because he's, he has less than two years of, of service time. And you say, wait a minute, he's been on the team since 2019. No, he, he has not made that much money because of what the minimum salary is. And for Connor Joe, there's another example, a guy who's a first round pick he's made, Half a, you know, he's made five hundred thousand dollars in his career. For every John Gray that makes fifty six million, and every Trevor Story that potentially is going to make over a hundred million dollars, there are about ten players who make the league minimum and are are lucky to to even earn seven hundred fifty thousand dollars for the entirety of their career. Right, and the league minimum is misleading in that if I'm on a big league roster, I'm making the league minimum. But if I get sent back down, I'm not making that anymore. Right. And then I get called back a month later and I get two weeks in the big leagues and then I get sent out again. And maybe my service time that year was 60 days. We talked about this, as you know, on the podcast. So that is 
I, I think the a, a full year is 184 days, something around 180, 82 days, somewhere along there. So just take 60. That's a third. So that player got a third of the 570 minimum. Now, you know, we can sit here and break down various aspects of what they're fighting about. I do think uh, the, the players are absolutely in the right in, in wanting to uh, see younger players get compensated uh, earlier and, and initially at a greater amount. And the owners have come up $130,000. I think their last proposal was seven hundred. It need It needs to be more significant just based on what the other three major sports pay uh, their rookies. And, and of course, baseball is playing twice the number of games, uh, basically. The one thing I don't understand completely, and we touched on this in, in my podcast, Patrick, is, you know, the the players want a higher CBT collect, and uh, the, the higher luxury, uh, you, you know, higher threshold. Well, there's really only a few teams that ever flirt with that. We know the names of those teams. In fact, in the last five years, eight teams have flirted with that, with that, um, that line, that demarcation, if you will. Only eight. Again, Only eight over five years. Yeah. And, and so three of those years are pre-pandemic years. And I'm, I'm saying, okay, we're seeing incredible amounts of guaranteed money paid to the super duper stars, right? You know, we've seen 300 plus million dollar deals. In the case of Mike Trout, we've seen a 400 plus million dollar deal. And even right before the lockout this year, we saw a $300 million deal, right? Was it, who, was it Seager? Who am I forgetting? Yeah, it was Seager who signed. So if you raise that, you're going to have a greater disparity. They, they really, they've talked, the players have talked a lot about competitive, you know, getting more teams competitive and anti-tanking and stuff. But if, if you have greater disparity, what's the, why, why should a team down here who can't play up, here because they're a lower revenue team what's their incentive to just sign a guy so instead of winning 70 games they win 72 or 73 games i mean i think you should bring the floor up personally uh because that's going to more level the playing field uh whatever it is that you, you know you can sit here and look at both sides and and i and i say listen when there when there's this kind of um struggle there's blame to be placed on both sides and for the umpteenth time, I've said on my show, on your show, you, you got to figure it out for what we were discussing earlier, the good of the game going forward. So, so you keep baseball fans. Baseball fans are leaving. I'm not talking about casual fans. I'm talking about guy, people who love the game of baseball are done. And that's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah, it, it's it's disappointing, obviously, to, to say the least. And, you know, we... I'm glad we've got college baseball. Glad, like you said, high school baseball is is going strong, and um, there's 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 still plenty of entertainment, obviously, to go around in the sports. It's just not our game. It's not baseball. And so, you know, if you do come down to the DNVR bar, we've got Nuggets, Avs watch parties going on all the time. Rams, I mean, that's that's the team right now uh, in so many ways alongside the Avs. If you're talking about excitement, CU Buffs even with a big victory the other night. Uh, very exciting down at the DNVR bar. You know that your membership actually gets you a member-sized beer. You get a bit of an upgrade. Again, if you're not a member, it's only 50 cents for your first month. An annual membership does get you a free shirt at DNVR Locker. 
Bet.com. Make sure you check that out. Now, this weekend, we've got Colby Covington, Jorge Masvidal. I don't know if I've asked you this before. Drew, did you ever get into UFC at all or not so much? I mean, have I watched, uh, you know, on occasion? Yeah, I, I'm not, I wouldn't call myself a, a big fan. A UFC head. I think that's what they call their fans, right? UFC heads. Yeah, I mean, I have great respect for the athletes. I have great respect for the training. It's amazing. Um, yeah, but uh, it's you know, it's not something that I've you know got completely into. Yeah, they're premium athletes at that yeah. Wikipedia. Oh, guys. Yeah, women. big one this weekend again. Covington, Masvidal, and they step in the octagon this Saturday at UFC 272, DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC has got a knockout offer for new customers. All you got to do is bet just $1 on the main event and you get $100 in free bets no matter what. So if there's a first round knockout, you get paid. Majority draw, you get paid. Double knockout resulting in a, a no contest ruling, yep, you get $100 in free bets no matter what the outcome is. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR, throw down just $1 on UFC 272 on that main event, and you get $100 in free bets no matter what happens in the fight. That's code DNVR this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. UFC. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And as I said, with Nuggets and Avalanche, guess what? You can actually watch them now with Evoca TV. E-V-O-C-A TV. Go to Evoca.tv slash DNVR because for only $25 per month, plus a receiver, no contracts, no hidden fees. You get your price locked in for two years. It's a new paradigm for TV delivery that allows you to watch networks like Altitude Sports. So you can watch Nuggets and Avalanche in Denver, down in the Springs, Phoenix, Boise, Twin Falls, Idaho. We're talking the entire Rocky Mountain region. It allows you to follow the Colorado teams you love, including Nuggets, Avalanche, Rapids, Mammoth. Plus you get coverage amazing coverage of Rams, Pioneers, and yes, we do have AT&T Sportsnet. So help out our buddy Drew Goodman there and go to evoca.tv slash DNVR. Well, as you said, Drew, going into our break there, the salary floor, I think, while my initial thought of it was met with some skepticism, you make the way you explained it makes it very compelling because the middle class of free agents of, of veteran players are the ones that are are not being, you know, represented in free agency. That that's that's why the the league minimum wants to be raised. These pre arbitration pools is because young players are just not, uh, or rather, veterans are not getting paid. So you know what? Let's get paid when you're younger, and that makes sense. But even if you raise that CBT threshold, it just means okay, Corey Seager is now going to maybe get three fifty. And Carlos Correa gets 400. So the the superstars, the ones on that end of the spectrum, get paid more. But still, you have a problem with the average free agent, even like a guy like John Gray, who maybe he he could possibly get more, but he's not one of the top frontline starters. Those guys aren't getting represented quite as well enough. But if you do force some of the smaller mid-market teams, to your point, and there's a salary floor. Well, now they do need to go out and spend. Might not be on the superstars, but will, will at least be on some of the needs that they have and bring in some good veteran presence to to bolster their roster at least somewhat. 
if you if you want to see if you want to see more teams that are able to spend money and compete and we also know there's not a direct correlation to money spent we've seen tampa obviously be very successful on a smaller budget oakland has been successful on on a on a very uh you know shoestring type budget uh, the dodgers have spent more than anyone the only season they won a championship was in the uh, abbreviated season of 2020 uh, at least since 1988 uh, despite all of their spending but still um the the mega superstars that's where they're the money's being spent. The mega superstars are getting paid and it's guaranteed money. Um, so th there can't be a complaint from my standpoint on the player side, not when guys are signing guaranteed 300 plus million dollar deals. If you truly, as they state, want to raise um, the dollar figures for the younger players and the guys that are going to play three years and then go coach high school baseball or, or get into another career and, uh, that sort of thing. Yes, the minimums have to be raised. And I think Major League Baseball sees that clearly and they're, they're addressing it. Could it be more? Uh, I would assume so. And and maybe ultimately when this thing is finally signed, it it will be greater. And 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 I'm, I'm all for rewarding players who are really impactful in their first three years at a greater level than just the bare minimum. Um, and, and there's been some movement along those lines. But going back to what we were talking about, you know, if you raise the floor, then then teams are forced to spend a little bit and maybe it helps the overall competitiveness. And, and it's not necessarily on the the mega stars, but it's on solid, you know, the, the middle class, the lower middle class can make more money. And if that is truly what the Players Association is concerned with, um, that to me, um, you know, I haven't studied it left and right like these other guys. I read everything, but that to me seems more logical than just keep raising, uh, you know, the top floor. And I know some of this, I believe, is born out of the fact that there has never been a hard cap in Major League Baseball. And it, and it is a dirty word to the Players Association. It has always been a dirty word to the Players Association. Um, so anything that would indicate that sort of ceiling is going to be met with, you know, an, an absolute no. But I still believe that if, if, if you raise it and, and the floor is not coming up, you're going to have a greater disparity clearly between the haves and have nots. And one of the things that have come out of these negotiations, it sounds like the players, at least again, they agree to something that, it's not down on, on paper that they haven't signed, so it, it's not official yet that the postseason will be expanded. But you can make the case that coupled with a salary floor, having two additional postseason teams or, or one in each league, or if you go to 14 teams, now you've got two more postseason teams. Now that team that you throw out there and say, eh, maybe they're only a 71, 72-win team. Now if you go out and sign some of those middle-class type free agents, Hey, maybe, you know, you have a good first half and you can possibly contend. What's been your take on the expanded postseason to either 12 or 14? Do you think it waters it down a, a little bit too much? Maybe 14 is too much. 12 might be the magic number. What have been your thoughts on, on that subject so far? Well, first and foremost, I'll answer it in two ways, Patrick. Number one, I want to see a deal done. So I don't care how it gets done. If it becomes, and it's a big chip for the players association. Right. 
Um, you know, they've agreed, it sounds like to 12, but if they, you know, the owners obviously make more money if they go to 14, um, it's, it's a big chip for them. Mm-hmm. I don't care to reiterate if they end up going to 14, I know traditionals say what's happened. You know, now we've gone the way of the NBA and the NHL and the NFL, everybody makes the playoffs or half the league makes the playoffs. On one hand, yes. On the other hand, it keeps a fan base involved more with their team because there's a chance. I do not buy the players' contention, um, and we won't know until you have three or four years of data, if in fact they go to you know, 12 or 14, as to whether it affected teams going out and being aggressive in the offseason and up to the trade deadline trying to get better to make the postseason. My thought is the teams and the ownership groups that are truly in it trying to win it, that they still will be inclined to say, hey, I got to get, I, I want to make sure I'm in this party, I'm in this tournament. And they will be um, aggressive. I also think people need to keep in mind, even if you go to 14, Patrick, on the not too distant horizon, this is another chip in the in the owner's bag, you know where I'm going with this, is there's going to be expansion. There's going to be two more teams. So it's not going to be 14 out of 30 going to the postseason. It will be 14 out of 32. And also the reason I, I, I mentioned that chip is the buy-in is going to be, you know, a couple billion dollars to 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 join Major League Baseball. So, you know, that's that's another, as I said, another big chip for the owners. Um, let's be honest, we're, we're out here in Colorado and Colorado, if if they could go to the postseason the way it's currently comprised. Two times out of every five years, that would be doing a really good job. And that's just being honest. You know, the Dodgers, they look to go every year. The Yankees, they look to go every year. And, and that is, you know, with, with their resources financially, that makes sense. Um, but if you're a, a mid-revenue team like the Rockies, two out of five years is good. Now, I'm, I'm trying to think. So historically, the Rockies went in 95, 07, 09, 17, and 18, five times. And we're coming up on 30 years. So that's really one out of six years. That's why I'm saying two out of five would be, would be tremendous. So it, it's a benefit to teams in the middle, like the Rockies, where, man, yeah, I got a chance to get in. And then we know, especially in baseball, if you're in that tournament, anything can happen. Um, so that's my long-winded kind of overview uh, of what it is. But I, I start with anything that can get a deal done. Anything that can get a deal done is, is a good thing. Yeah, I absolutely. I I. I... I, I give that one a heart. I'm going to I retweet verbal retweet on that one. I, I love that. I think as the traditionalist and I, I consider myself somewhat of a baseball traditionalist, a, a historian, a student of the game in so many ways, but I'm okay with that change. And so you go, ah, I think the postseason is just right where it's at. You don't want to dilute it. But as you mentioned, once you go to 32 teams now having 12 or even 14 makes a lot of sense. So you might as well tap into that excitement a little bit earlier rather than waiting until you have 32. And so you get the benefit of that. And I think there's a, there's a trade-off you say, well, 
if if we have more postseason teams, that might make the trade deadline a little less flashy. There might not be as many of those, you know, big deadline deals. And again, who knows? Maybe maybe it will be the same. But if we trade that for more compelling September baseball, even if it is, you know, a team that only ends up winning 83, 84 games, at the at the end of the day, I'm, I'm not going to care if the Reds only win 84 games and they are the seventh team to make the postseason. I'm going to be watching their game to see, you know, is Luis Castillo, you know, he's on the hill. This is a big moment for him. Does he separate himself from the rest of the pack and really, you know, start his legacy and, and, and making a, a run at being one of the best pitchers in the National League? So at the end of the day, that's a great trade-off to say, ah, oh, the trade deadline might be a little bit more quiet, but the September baseball is that much more compelling against the start of the NFL season, which goes back to something you said at the beginning. And so, you know, even outside of just getting a deal done, I think that very much could be good for the game. I don't see, I don't see the same typical downsides of having an expanded postseason as I would typically. Well, I, I've always been more of a traditionalist and I've, I've come off that stance in a number of areas. And I, I think I've expressed some of them with you and, and some of my own show. We can go into some of those today and in, in future podcasts as well. Um, the analogy I would make to what you were just talking about is this was a tremendous postseason in the NFL. There were a ton of compelling games, compelling weekends. And when you were watching one of those games, you know, take Cincinnati, which made a great run to the Super Bowl, as we know. When you were watching them play Kansas City, were you lamenting the fact that they, you know, by and large had a, you know, middle class, upper middle class type of season, but now they had gotten hot and they were fun to watch and Jamar Chase and, and obviously Joe Burrow. And we were all enamored with Cincinnati and how they were playing and in front of us and the canvas that was being painted at that time, we were all in man. Cause it was fun. So we weren't worried about what took place before. And that's why I make the analogy to, if you get to October and you have an 84 win team taking on a 95 win team, it's still going to be, you know, high energy, intense baseball that, one would hope it is very compelling and will kind of wipe out the fact, you know, you almost, you almost bring on the Cinderella component, which you hadn't had as much in the past, right, Patrick? It's, you know, it was always, you know, well, let's see one 93 games and that team won 95 games. And, you know, they were in the same class all year as opposed to, Ooh, here comes this team that was by and large, pretty mediocre, but they got in and man, you know, they're playing really well right now. So there is something to that we used to live in a time in which the best team in baseball usually won the world series. Cause if you won your league, you went to the world series. And so you had a 50, 50 shot at doing it. And now, you know, there's, there's a little bit of, of luck in it. You know, I think that's true in baseball to a degree in hockey. We see it where you could be an eight seed and you could still make a run. And so that'll, that'll happen. And again, there'll be people saying, ah, but the giants, they won 107 games during the regular season. And, you know, it wasn't fair. I mean, look at the the Marlins. They they went to the postseason during the pandemic shortened season in 2020 and, and, you know, won in the first round. But at the end of the day, you just want compelling postseason baseball. And if you were the better team on that day in October, regardless of what happened in the regular season, 
then you you move on. It, it's not the end of the world. I think we can I think we can get past the team with the best record. May not be the best oh, that, team. I mean, listen, postseason. That, that, that's sports. I'm a New York Giants right. fan. You remember, we all remember in 2011 when the New England Patriots were going for their perfect season and they played the Giants in the Super Bowl. And the Giants, right? The Giants won. Nice um, little catch there by Mr. Yeah, David Tyree. Exactly. Now, um, I saw what you were doing there, Jersey, Jersey boy. Um, <laughs> last year, and I wish it didn't, what I'm about to say, I wish it didn't work out this, this way. And hopefully this year it's different. The Avalanche won the President's Cup, emblematic of the team with the best regular season record. They had the most points in the NHL last year. They didn't win the Cup, as we all know. We did not have a parade. Hopefully this year, it looks like they're probably going to win the President's I mean, there's a long way to go still, but uh, I, would, I wouldn't bet against them having the best record again as they currently have right now. Um, and hopefully then, at the end of the year, they also win the Stanley Cup naturally. So it's not always the best team that wins and that's okay. That makes sports interesting and intriguing. And from a financial standpoint, when the players stand back and say, well, see, because of what you're arguing, that leaves less incentive for those teams that can spend a lot of money to spend a lot of money. I still would disagree with that. Steve Cohen, who's the richest guy in baseball and now owns the Mets, he went out, he has, he has Jacob DeGrom on his roster, the best pitcher when healthy in baseball, bar none. And then he got the future first ballot slam dunk Hall of Famer, Matt Scherzer. Because when they get to the postseason, assuming they get there, he wants to be able to go, I don't care who you got. I got DeGrom. And in game two, I got Scherzer. Let's go. I like my chance. So the teams that have money, they're still going to spend they're still going to spend because the odds are they're going to have a better chance than the Cinderella teams. One of the teams that has a great chance to be exciting and do well are the Colorado XOs. Actually, they're now called the American Raptors. It's a group of rugby players that were former athletes in other sports, wrestling, soccer, track and field, basketball, even baseball. And we got a guy down there on the beat in Glendale. His name is Colton Strickler. Every week on the DNVR Rugby Podcast, He's teaching us a little bit about rugby with those 101 podcasts with exclusive interviews with players and coaches. And yes, he's giving you really good betting advice right now on the Super, Rug Super Rugby, which starts at the end of this month. Uh, actually, I think they even just began. And that's perfect timing uh, with no baseball, with no NFL going on. Just head over to AmericanRaptors.com to score free tickets because they do have some home games coming up as well. You can stream all the games as well online at AmericanRaptors.com. And... Look, you might get sore just watching them. If you're if you're getting ready for a 5K or you're getting yourself back in shape, you might need some relief and recovery creams. If you do, check out Escape Artist. You can find them at any of 10 Denver Metro light shade locations. They also have a premium selection of cannabis concentrates, top shelf flower, edibles, tinctures, accessories, and more. The cool thing about the Escape Artist relief and recovery creams is it's the highest awarded topical brand in all of Colorado, and it's not greasy, and it's not going to stain your clothes, so you don't have to worry about any of that. Now, podcast listeners, you do get 25% off non-sale items with code DNVR when you shop online for pickup at lightshade.com or when you visit a Lightshade location near you. One of the stories that came out right before the announcement about opening day getting postponed was Derek Cheater out as the CEO 
of the Miami Marlins. He's even going to sell off uh, part of his ownership stake. I think it was about 4%. Uh, I was kind of surprised to realize that he was the only black CEO in, in all of baseball. And uh, just kind of things don't seem to be working out quite as he had thought, maybe said that, you know, the organization's kind of going in different directions. And so that's kind of a, of a bummer of, of a loss for a, a great leader like that in that organization. Well, the Marlins have always been a, even though Miami's a very large city, um, they've been a, a low revenue team, um, you know, both Florida teams and, and with, you know, the Marlins have two world championships, two times a well, they've gone out three times, I guess, in the postseason. But the first two times, they went as a wild card, 97-03, and we know they won it all. Um, but people have never gravitated to the Marlins. Uh, they they played in a you know football stadium with a new name every year for a while, and then the downtown ballpark was different. You know, the new ownership group came in. It was pretty clear what happened. You know, Jeter felt like, uh, you know, without saying as much, he said he felt like they were going to be more competitive financially to try to um, augment, you know, the guys that they were developing um, through the North American draft and, and Latin America. And he clearly saw that that was not taking place. And so, you know, he wants to be involved with a team that has a chance to win. Um, you know, that's, I guess that's damning, uh, you know, to, to the Marlins and, and to how, you know, to how they operate and, you know, what, whatever their revenue stream is, uh, the new ownership group, similar to the old ownership group, is not going to, you know, it's not going to spend, uh, you know, where Jeter thought they should spend. That's how I read it. Yeah, they've made you know, some good moves, you know, some some shrewd moves. Joey Wendell, they picked up in a trade from Tampa Bay. Yeah, but those are low, but those are low. No, of course. Things. And, you know, what uh, Jeter was hoping that they right. could make a splash to augment some really talented young arms. And I, I'm assuming that that's why he's jumping ship. What'll be interesting now and all, uh, and all the New York, uh, you know, papers and the tabloids have been all, all over this is will Jeter. Um, be a part of the Yankees in in some you know large capacity. I mean, Jeter's not going to be a you know an ambassador or a special assistant. That's not Derek Jeter. Um, you know that organization, you know now run by Hal Steinbrenner, but it's been Brian Cashman um, for years and years and years. And and I don't know if that changes, but that seems like the natural fit, does it not? Derek Jeter going back to the Yankees. I. I don't think something like that would happen, to be honest, because I, I mean, I can even remember going back to uh, a point where I think at, at the end of Joe Torre's run before they hired Joe Girardi, that Don Mattingly was in the discussion for that job. And the idea is, all right, you hire Don Mattingly. How can you ever fire him? Like, how can you ever go, you know, separate way? How can you part like how do you deal with a situation like that? And so I think that could be a similar deal with Derek Jeter. He comes into the organization and, you know, he, he might not want to stand in line. He might not want to do that. I got my hand raised. Drew Goodman. Yes. Yeah. Patrick, um, who's the most iconic figure in the history of the Denver Broncos? John Elway. John Elway was running the franchise, right? John Elway has been pushed aside more or less he's going to be sure. now uh a consultant which i mean uh, 
<laughs> that's a pretty way of saying you're not involved in day-to-day -day operations anymore. And so it happens. It happens. And I'm not, I don't know what the position would be for Derek Jeter right now. Um, but certainly, you know, there, there's always going to be speculation. What does he want? I mean, Derek Jeter, you know, clearly, I, I don't think would be, I don't even know if he would want to be just a GM. I think he wants, you know, ownership stake and, and, you know, grand poobah where he's, you know, the, the president and, and CEO of, of baseball operations. And maybe there's a general manager beneath him, similar to, you know, how Theo Epstein, when he was still with the Cubs was running things. Jed Hoyer was, was actually the general manager. We know at the end of the day where the buck stopped. And, and to me, that's, you know, that's what Jeter would want, but who knows? I mean, these are people with, you know, so much wealth and, and a whole lot of time in front of them in terms of their, their careers. You know, we, we want to make guys super old who play 20 years. I mean, Tom Brady just left the end. Tom Brady's 44 years of age, right? That's a young guy. And so who knows, you know, Derek Jeter may go like, he may go to Hollywood and start making films. I don't know what his interests are. Maybe he could completely out of baseball. Who knows? Maybe you want to think big picture because he's from the player side and now he's been on, on ownership side. You know where I'm going with this, Patrick. Maybe he's the next commissioner of baseball because there has to be a better relationship. And I'm not just pointing my finger at Rob Manfred. My, Rob Manfred works for the owners. If the owners say we're not doing this, Rob Manfred becomes the mouthpiece for the owners. So it's easy to, you know, fire all your, your, your guns at, 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 Rob Manford, I mean that figuratively, obviously. Um, but at some point in time, they have to improve their relationship. I know I'm bouncing around here, but where we started, the relationship has to be less contentious. And it may mean getting new people ultimately at that table, whether it's, you know, somebody else and, you know, Tony Clark and Bruce Meyer on the players association side, and, and, and maybe it looks different on, on the on the player side or on the, on the, on the owner's side, but you know, Derek Jeter is one of those guys who's been now on both, both sides and he's universally uh, respected. Certainly um, who knows, who knows where he is next, but clearly to originally answer your question, I think he, he left reading the tea leaves based on he, he thought there was going to be a greater, um, greater expenditures um, on players and free agents, you know, with, the ownership group that he was attached to. I, I like that uh, thinking about, you know, maybe as a commissioner or at least again, working with MLB, we saw that with Theo Epstein and you go, Oh, here's a great mind that could probably help the game. Maybe more on the ownership side. I mean, that's obviously where, you know, his experience is, but Jeter as a former player, that might be good. We haven't seen a, a commissioner of baseball that was a former player to, to my knowledge. No, but he, but here's the deal, Patrick. Look look at where we are in professional sports. There are you know a, a, a few players. I mean, you, the owners these are billionaires, right? But there are a few players now that through their playing days and the augmentation of that salary or those salaries through endorsements, etc have have gotten themselves in a place where they can be part of ownership right that never would have taken place even 20 years ago michael jordan is an owner 
Peyton Manning will be a part owner probably in the not too distant future. I hope, like I'm sure everybody here, that it's with the Denver Broncos, right? I think that would be perfect. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Um, so now you're having these iconic players who are universally respected. And in, and in most corners, guys like Peyton Manning, Derek Jeter, really well liked. And I think they can help with the division, with all these unions, between the, the owners and the unions, when you have somebody who's been on both sides of the aisle, so to speak, like a Jordan, like a Jeter, like a Peyton Manning. Um, so that that's changing a little bit where a player could be part of ownership. I mean, that wouldn't have, I mean, that wouldn't have happened years ago. It couldn't have happened. As much money as players made based on what normal folk make, they still weren't where owners are. Well, isn't Patrick Mahomes partially an owner of the Kansas City? Yeah, yeah that's, what, that's a good <laughs> an point. active player. I know they're not. I know they're not principal owners, right? But unless it's just a you know a kind of a small small investment, um, you know, if they're learning that side of it. I think they'll be able to have a feel also in these negotiations, future negotiations for both sides and be able to articulate it in a way that it's not, it's always, it, it, it's always going to be a battle, but it doesn't have to be um, as ugly as certainly we're seeing right now between the players association and the owners. Yeah, that that's such a good point. And I, I think it's, it's important to kind of, you know, blend the, the the titles for some people. I mean, we've got Tony Clark, obviously, as as the head of the the Players Association. You go like a player, you know, doing a, a job like that. But you know, he's done very well, obviously. And and as you said, players are now getting into to ownership. And there was a time in which general managers were just former players, right? Like that that was it. If if you didn't have a, a baseball background, you hadn't been in the majors or spent a lot of time in the minor leagues, you wouldn't get that. And now you don't necessarily need to have that background. So. Uh, it doesn't necessarily matter your background uh, to round out the point. Uh, if, if you've got the experience and you've got a certain level of education, I mean, you can, you can advance really far if you've got a good head on your shoulders. And Derek Jeter, you know, very much the, the sky's the limit for this kid, right? It's 47-year-old guy. He was making $5 million as CEO. So, I mean, that was, that's some good change there that he'll have to figure out. I, I think he'll, he'll find a way to pay his bills, though. Yeah, I was wondering, you know, if, if he'll be able to take Ken out to dinner, uh, you know, coming up since he just gave up that gig, you know. So. Do you think? We'll, do you think we could ever see like a, uh, a a veteran circuit for baseball? You think there's there's room for like that? A, like the Champions Tour in, in um, yeah, you know, or like the Big Three, you know, in basketball, play it in the winter time in December and January or something. Maybe that's not the right timeline, but it would still be nice to see Ricky Henderson out there on the field, you know. I wonder if it was a way it's, it's really, if, you know what, Patrick, it's an interesting question. Um, I don't know. I, I think you could see a mix. Like if you had, yeah. you know, the, an over 30 league for X players, I, you would have the crazy ones. And I say that in, in, in with, <laughs> with endearment, I really do. Because yeah. Dante Bichette, who had a marvelous big league career and made good money, Dante still loved to play. And for a number of years, Dante was playing in a, in a league, in a men's league, like I played in for a number of years uh, in Florida, in Orlando. 
In fact, they changed the rule. They went to all wood bats because they were still swinging aluminum bats at the point. And he would, you know, he was oh. going to kill a third baseman. They did. They changed <laughs> the rule because, but Dante, here's his big former star. He was a star playing because he still loved to play. I don't know how many Dante Bichettes are out there, but you could probably put together a pretty competitive league with guys that still want to play. They could still move a little bit. And then maybe, you know, ex minor leaguers, you know, ex college players there were 35 plus in it and it's a mix and it would still be compelling enough baseball and you'd have some names mixed in where somebody goes oh man i remember him um so maybe why not you never there's no bad ideas right one one of my favorite baseball personalities period is the batting stance guy i'm sure you've seen him on on twitter i mean he was on david letterman show uh you know before he went off the air and so just you know watching him doing the batting stances like there's that value where you go all right ricky henderson he's almost 60 years old maybe he could run into one maybe not who cares i just want to see him up at the plate like doing that stance and if he walks all right put a pinch runner in there's still value for that. You don't even necessarily care what the stats are. You just want to want to see these guys out out in the in the public doing the thing that they they do so well, even if it isn't that high level of competitiveness for some of those veteran guys. Who was it? I think it was like an old timers game, like it was like an all star game kind of situation. It might have been Luke Appling. I think he was like seventy, and he hit one out at like Tiger Stadium, right? Yeah. I, you know, I, the the old-timers game, I really enjoyed that when I was growing up and the Mets had an old-timers game and the Yankees have always had, you know, maybe the best old-timers game because all their old-timers were were Hall of Famers. That That's fun for a couple innings and seeing, you know, the, the sure. guys kind of jog around or, or walk around. But <laughs> for a, a Champions League to work, like if you watch the Champions Tour, Bernard Langer's been great on it. Phil went out there you know when he turned 50 i think he won a a couple of events right away they're still they're still really good golfers and and they're hitting shots and and so on to go watch you know guys who are 30 pounds overweight waddle around the bases and just and be able to say okay there goes so and so i remember 20 years ago he was a wonderful player that that, i'm not going to set my uh, dvr for that one but um who knows? Maybe, maybe there's, maybe there's something there. I would rather go the way of um, seeing far more college baseball at all levels televised. I think people would be um, who don't know would be pleasantly surprised at how good that game is, how well it's played and played with the enthusiasm that we all embrace during March madness and our love of college basketball. Um, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of good baseball to be seen at the collegiate level and you can stream it certainly and you know some of the you know the pac 12 the big 10 networks are, are carrying games and and so on but uh, i would like to see that expanded kind of more mainstream um i i think that's a more you know rather than a kind of a champions tour in baseball i, I think that's the area where the baseball fan um would have his fix his or her fix satiated all right so you're out as an investor on that good to know but you're right with college baseball there's a specific style to it right i think i think that's it there's there's a little bit more life you know the ping of the bat is is kind of a a different vibe to it um not necessarily a, a bad thing but again that that 
changes the style. The players are a little more eccentric and, you know, they, they're having fun. Look, MLB players have a lot of fun too. Could but they do? And they're, and they're being allowed to have more fun now. Yes. Yes. But we're talking about 18, 19 year old kids going out there and they are truly playing for the love of the game. And that comes out in their, their style of play. And you're right. It's, it's very, very exciting to watch. Patrick, I got one for you. I know the answer. This is a rhetorical question because you love the game and you love all aspects of the game. If I told you every, um, you know, Thursday night's one of those games, one of those days in Major League Baseball. Some teams are playing, but some teams are off kind of a travel day, right? Monday, Thursday. If I told you for two months in the summer, June and July, that every Monday and Thursday night coming from Cape Cod, there was going to be the game of the week in the Cape Cod League, would you not be in? I would be if I wasn't working. I'd be like, I want to go see Harwich play, you know, and and on the mound is the, uh, you know, the Friday night starter for, for USC. And he's facing that great pitcher nobody ever heard of from Davidson or something like, I mean, that's good stuff, man. The, 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 the last best league, right? The Cape Cod League. No, that, that's, that's perfect. I, I like that. I mean, you could even go so far as to, Again, this is another great way to, of highlighting the, the best parts of the game. You could even go and, and work with the Northwoods League and because they're, they're probably right there, maybe obviously a notch below Cape Cod, but they're one of the top two or three of those summer collegiate leagues and go and their, their all-star game is, like you said, on a Thursday night or uh, even a Sunday night, you know, if, if you don't have a Sunday night baseball, whatever it is. And maybe you have Carl Ravitch, you have the whole A-Rod, you've got the Sunday night crew, going up there somewhere in, in Minnesota to to highlight the the all-star game for for the Northwoods League and and kind of again put over this exciting you know element to to college baseball that we do have. Yeah. I I hope so man. I think even when major league baseball comes back and we all hope it's real soon. Um, I would love to see enhanced coverage of college baseball of some of the summer leagues. I think you know, I, I think it would be tremendous. All right. Before we get out of here, we'll give you your little trivia question of the day. Since you since you brought it up, talking about the ballpark in which the formerly Florida Marlins played in, it's had a lot of different names before and even after. How many different names can you think of that the facility down there in Miami that was opened in 1987 originally as Joe Robbie Stadium. I know. Oh, hold on. That's, I was going to get, start with Joe Robbie, all right? It's in Fort Lauderdale. I've been there, unfortunately, many times, including the the orange seat where Big Cat hit a ball seven miles. All right. Joe Robbie. Uh-huh. Landshark. Ooh, I didn't think you were going to get that one. Okay. Hold on a second, because I, <laughs> I used to I used to do it as a joke on the air. How many different names? And I would call them all. The, I would I would change up during the broadcast. And cha- um, so now there's, I got to go. There's back. been eight. I know, including Joe Robbie and what Joe what Robbie, Land, uh, Landshark. Um, oh man, I'm doing a terrible. Well, who who plays there now? Um, Dolphin Stadium. I'm gonna give you two for that one. It's it apparently has been named Dolphin Stadium and Dolphin Stadium. Those are oh, two. Oh, that really? That's two. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you got half of them so far. Oh gosh, this is terrible. <laughs> Seriously, because I used to have so much fun doing this. Um, 
this is really good podcast stuff right now. Looking at Goodman with his hand. Right, you you said who plays there, but they're their football team. Are they uh, are they amateurs? No, oh, they pro are pro player stadium. Thank you. Good pro player stadium and pro player park because oh, okay. you know those are two right. different things. Right. So now you're only missing two here. And, All right. Give me give me a hand again. Um, I I don't know. Well, no, that's that's Planet Hollywood. I'm thinking of so the 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 musical version of Planet Hollywood. If you remember that, I don't. But one of them was was uh, it was because it was attached almost to Jimmy Buffett, right? Um, it, I wonder if that's the Land Shark one you're thinking. That of. may have been the Land Shark one. Uh, you got. Uh, I don't. What was the original name of Truist Ballpark in Atlanta? Sun Trust. Oh, Sun Trust. So yeah. it's close to that. It was oh. Sun Life Stadium. Oh boy, Sun Life. I forgot about that one. And it was sold uh the, the naming rights in August of 2016, 250 million dollars over eight years to the Hard Rock Cafe, Hard Rock Stadium. Yeah, so I was gonna say Hard Rock. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Isn't that, isn't that like the planet Hollywood version of, right. I think it was like Stallone. Okay. I'm going to leave you with a story. Cause I always have one story. I got to leave you with you. Right. Let it go. I yep. may have told you this one, Patrick. And if I have too bad, you're going to hear it again. Speaking of the Marlins, their original owner was. Wayne Heisenga. Wayne Heisenga, who owned among many things. He owned a lot of car dealerships, right? Mm -hmm. So the first year I'm at fantasy camp, back in like oh something or other and it's and the rockies really do a good job with this i'm gone every year since the commissioner was clint hurdle who's now working for the organization again as we know and clint was the best commissioner because clint is really witty super witty super funny um and it's just a wonderful week anyhow wayne or not wayne i saying it there's a guy who owned denver burglar alarm which was a very sizable company and he's a good guy and he's behind the plate catching right warming up the pitcher for the next inning and he's on his cell phone right he put it down right he's on his cell phone hurdle walks out and actually goes what the hell are you doing he's busting his chops right and he takes a phone you can't you're playing baseball you're on a phone he hangs up he goes hey that's a big deal. You can't, you can't hang up. I, I, I'm doing a deal right now, man. You can't. So he calls the guy back and he's doing, he's on the phone again. Hurdle comes by, hangs up on him again. Right. He goes, I'm talking to Wayne Heisenga. I'm selling my company to Wayne Heisenga. And Hurdle's like, what are you talking about? He goes, you'll read about it tomorrow in USA Today. Sure enough, the next day in USA Today, um, I'm forgetting the gentleman's name on Denver Burglar Arm. He goes, Denver Burglar Arm and its owner da, 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 sold his company to Wayne Heisenga. The guy was doing the deal at Fantasy Camper, doing obviously the final details of the deal with Heisenga, and he's behind the plate and he's on the phone, and Hurdle keeps hanging up on him. Wow. Yeah, pretty funny. There you go. I'm guessing it was a flip phone, right? Was he? Was it was back then. It, back then, it was a flip phone. I do remember that. There you go. Yeah, and the funny thing is because in Kangaroo Court, um, so that story comes out, and he finds he finds him, you know, like ten bucks for being on his phone, you know, during a game, 
and uh, that was that was $10 less profit he made on the uh, multi-millions that he sold Denver Burglar Arm to Miami Marlins owner, or then at that time, Florida Marlins owner, Wayne Huizenga. Was his name Stuart Jackson? Yes, Stu. Yep. There we go. Tag team. Can't beat us. Yeah, that a boy, man. You're quick on that computer. Yep, that's me, man. That's yeah, me. You had a good perm. I do. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm growing it out so that it, when it gets to ten inches, I can cut it and and donate it to uh, Locks of Love, so you can make a nice wig for for children with cancer and stuff. This will be actually be my third time doing it. So good deal. It's a good, good excuse. Video. Good excuse to save some money on a, on a barber. You know what I mean? You know, I have to give in other ways now, Patrick. <laughs> No, you can't. You can't. Well, small wigs. You can be a small wig. You know, <laughs> what yeah. are you going to do? Uh, yeah. Make sure you're listening to that Drew Goodman podcast that we were talking about earlier on in the episode with Houston and Ryan Spielborgs. And hey, go back and listen to Tad Boyle, too, before the, the interesting week, to say the least, uh, that he's had over the last seven days. So it's always good. Make sure you're subscribed to that. Follow Drew on Twitter at Drew Goodman 42. I'm at Patrick D. Lyons and all our Rockies coverage. On Twitter is at DNVR underscore Rockies. Again, only 50 cents for your first month at the DNVR.com. This has been a lot of fun, but you know what they say about momentum. It's only as good as tomorrow's podcast. So I will talk to you then. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 